0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle podcast brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I want you to open the word of God with me, if you will, to the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. I'm going to be there this morning and tonight so I hope you'll be back tonight to get the rest of it but I want to bring you to a truth this morning that the Lord is using in my life right now this is an amazing book of the Bible it is famous for the great fish when we're done today I hope you won't think anything about the great fish I hope you'll think about our great God It's famous because people say, oh, we know Jonah. That's the Acts of the Old Testament. That's the great missionary book, and we got to get the gospel of the lost, and there's no doubt about that. But I would point out to you that Jonah is not first about getting Nineveh right with God. It was first about getting Jonah right with God. It's really easy to sit in a church building and fuss at the world. It's really easy for preachers like me to get up and talk about all the heathen outside of here and all their wickedness. Let's just vote on it. How many of you would like Washington to get right with God? Yes? Yeah, straighten the government out, fix all the politicians and figure out all the ills of our country. I'm going to tell you the hard thing to do, to get us right with God. That's really what the book of Jonah is all about. See, the word is a mirror. Mirrors don't show you others. Mirrors show you you. And when you come to the book of Jonah, you get a glimpse of God. And I hate to say this, you get a glimpse of yourself. I would like to think of myself like Jeremiah, you know. But I must tell you that more days I've been Jonah than I've been Jeremiah. And don't look at me so pious. None of us are what we ought to be. Did you know Jonah was a backslidden preacher? (laughs) Did you know preachers get backslidden? Sure they do. We use that term sometimes without any thought of what it means. It means to slide back. That's deep, isn't it? It means you're moving the wrong direction instead of the right direction. I'm looking at a bunch of people in this room. No doubt at some point in your life, you were moving forward for the Lord. May I just ask you, how about right now? How about where you are today? Not where do others think you are, not not where you used to be, not where do you plan to be, not where... Do you, you want to be? Where are you at this moment? And frankly, when was the last time you had a good old-fashioned repentance yourself? That's a Bible word, you know. We don't use it much. Maybe we don't talk much about repentance because if you talk about repentance, you've got to talk about sin. And nobody wants to talk about sin anymore. In fact, the world's watchword is tolerance. God's word is not tolerance. God's word is repentance. Repentance. I ask again, when was the last time you really repented before the Lord? Have you ever? If so, how long has it been? A woman came up to me recently after a meeting. She said, I heard you talking about repenting. I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, Do you believe in repentance? I said, Is it in the Bible? She said, Yes. I said, Then I believe in it. It's a sad thing that we talk so little about it, maybe because we do so little of it, maybe because we think so little about how holy God is and how unholy we are. You see, when you come to Jonah, like all of Scripture, there is a revelation and there is a response. The revelation in Jonah is that our God is a God of mercy. How many of you are glad he's a God of mercy? But the response to that is that we must repent. Look with me at Jonah chapter 1. Look at the end of the chapter, the last verse of Chapter 1, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let me ask you a question. If God God sent you on a little little, uh, detour into the bed of a fish in the bottom of the ocean, you had to stay there for three days and three nights, what would you do for that period of time? Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. You do this. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And then look at the last verse of chapter number 2. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And somebody says, that's gross. No, that's not gross. That's grace. That's what that is. The Lord made it so Jonah had a second chance. Anybody else glad God's a God of second chances? And third and fourth and fifth? Some of us need hundreds of them. Look at the first verse of chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, I love this, the second time. And so God sends him to Nineveh where he should have gone to start with. We pick up the story in verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. You know you know, God's at work when the, the king's getting right with God. When, excuse me, the big guy, the, the fellow in charge, starts to recognize that there's somebody actually over him. Look at verse number 7. And he caused it to be proclaimed. And published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn, every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn? And repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not I love verse 10 thank God for this and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not I want you to take your pen and mark something, would you? In verse 8, in verse 9, and in verse 10, because this is the great emphasis. In verse 8, would you mark this expression, let them turn. Let them turn. They're, they're headed one direction? No, no, let them turn. They're moving the wrong way, away from God. By the way, everybody in this room is moving one of two directions today. You're either moving toward God or you're moving away from God. First question in the Bible, God said, Adam, where art thou? Let me tell you, the first step to repentance is recognizing where you should be and where you actually are. May I just ask, which way are you going today? If you if you stay on the path you're on, if you continue on the course you're on, if your family continues exactly like it is this morning, how's it all going to turn out? And God said, they need to turn. Look at verse number 9, mark this phrase. Who can tell if God will turn? That's fascinating to me. And so they turn, God turns. They repent. The Bible says God repents and turns away from his fierce anger. Mark it again in verse 10. They turned and God repented. They turned, God repented. For a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you on this subject. Something has to change. How many of you have watched the news in the last few months And thought to yourself whether you said it this way or not something has to change how many of you been there yes how many of you have just looked around town at the madness it's everywhere everywhere i go it's like everybody's lost their minds sin gets dumber and dumber did you know that because it's based on a lie it's a rejection of truth when you believe a lie, you start rejecting truth. So when you say no to light, you go deeper and deeper into darkness and it's getting worse and worse and you look around and shake your head and scratch your head and say, what on earth is going on? Something has to change. I say to you, absolutely. But it's not political. It's not social. It's not even just moral. It's not economic. That's not it. It is spiritual. And here's here's the greatest truth of all. The thing that has to change is not first in them. It is is first. In us. Turn to the person next to you and tell them something has to change. Would you just turn and tell them right now? Something has to change. No, 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 no. I want you to preach it to them. Get your preaching finger out. Point at that center next to him and tell them, ready? Something has to change. Tell the person on the other side of you, something has to change. Now look back at me just a minute, would you please? Let's get more personal than that. Are you ready? This is where it gets painful. Something has to change in me in me see direction determines destination will <laughs> tell on myself for a minute a few weeks ago not long ago i was preaching in louisiana i was there in a camp i was there just the first part of the week monday tuesday and wednesday morning and after i spoke a couple times wednesday morning they took me straight to the airport i got to the airport flight was delayed a little bit flying to Charlotte, headed to Wilmington, Delaware, to preach. I got to Charlotte. I was late. Grabbed my carry-on bag and ran for it, which is not the way you want to get exercise. Got to the gate, and I got there in time, just in time. That's a, that is a welcome relief. I looked up at the board. It said Wilmington. I got on. I sat down. We taxied out. Took off. I started up a conversation with the man next to me. He was a businessman. He was a Christian. Matter of fact, he'd just come off another flight, and he said, "I want you to pray for the man I was with on the last flight." His name's Thomas. I said, "How can I pray for him?" He said, "He's lost. He needs Jesus." He said, "I talked to him on the whole last flight. He didn't get saved." But he said, "I'm praying for salvation." Preacher, will you help me pray? Now that's the kind of person you want to sit next to, you know. I said, "Where are you going?" He said, "Meet my family at the beach." I said, that's great. Still didn't register. <laughs> I had my Bible out and the notebook, and I was working on a sermon and studying, and <laughs> pilot comes on. We hadn't been in the air five minutes. Pilot comes on and said, ladies and gentlemen, short flight today, 32 minutes. We'll be in Wilmington. I thought, 32 minutes? It's longer than that from Charlotte to Delaware. There was a flight attendant next to me, and I, I leaned over, and, and I said, uh, this is a dumb question. I, I fly almost every week of my life. And but I looked at her, and and we'd already talked about something, and I said, can I ask you a dumb question? She said, sure. I said, where are we going? She said, Wilmington. I said, good, which Wilmington? She said, Wilmington, North Carolina. How many of you know there's a difference between Wilmington, North Carolina, and Wilmington, Delaware? Sounds similar. Do you know the dumb thing I found out? Only somebody in a a bureaucratic red tape somewhere could have come up with this. Do you know what the airport code for Wilmington, Delaware is? I-L-G. you know what the airport code for Wilmington, North Carolina is? I-L-M. Who on earth came up with that? One letter made a difference. And I had nobody to blame but myself. Couldn't blame anybody. I booked the flight multi-stop ticket did it on the app like i always do it just quick 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 and now i'm standing in wilmington north carolina on a wednesday night at 8 30 and the airport is shut down no more flights there's no airport shuttles there's no i'm standing on the sidewalk preacher thinking paulie you're the biggest idiot that ever lived and uh, the lord worked it all out and got me where i needed to go the next day but I learned something that night. I learned that it pays to pay attention to which direction you're going. Because just because it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. No, no. Something has to change. Let me show you something. Before I walk you through the passage, hold your place. We're coming right back to Jonah. Go all the way back in your Bible just for a second to the book of Exodus, would you? And I, I, got, I got a reason for it. There's method to the madness because Exodus chapter number 32 is really the first mention of god repenting we'll come full circle back to that thought in just a moment somebody says god repents well let me show you something look at exodus chapter 32 moses is is repenting the people of god are repenting and there's a divine order here. And in their prayer of repentance, look what he says in Exodus 32, verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. It doesn't mean that God was doing sinfully. It means he's praying, Oh God, would you please not do what you'd planned to do with us? Would you repent, Lord? Can you imagine praying and asking God to repent? Take your pen and circle in verse 12 the word turn because repentance is always connected to a turning. It is directional. It is volitional. To to turn means that you make a choice. To turn means that there is a change. And for the record, we think of repentance as just being a negative word. It's not just a negative word. It's a positive word. You're not just turning from, you are turning to. This is very important. Look, please. Repentance is not just that you change your mind about sin. Repentance is that you change your mind about God. God. In fact, I would go so far as to say you can't change your mind about sin until you change your mind about God. When you see God as good, you see sin as evil. When you see God as holy, you see your way as unholy. You can't even think the right way about your sin and your life until you think the right way about your God. And so the idea of repentance means there's a turning. Look at verse number 14. I love this. And the Lord... What's that word, church? Church. Mark it in your Bible, the Lord repented of the evil, watch this, which he... thought to do unto his people in verse 14 circle the word thought because repentance is not just connected to turning repentance is connected to your thought life repentance is a change of mind it doesn't mean you can change all your circumstances it doesn't mean you can change everything in your past it doesn't mean that instantaneously everything in your life is perfect and what it ought to be but it means this God has now given you not the mind of the sinner but the mind of Christ now you're getting in step with what God already said you're coming into agreement with God there there was a time that you said yes to you and no to God but now you're saying no to you and yes to God Lord your way is right and I want it this is the essence of repentance on our way back to Jonah let's stop off one more place stop off in Jeremiah just a minute Jeremiah chapter 18 because this is the classic passage about God repenting and it's very important to our understanding of repentance to the change that must come look at Jeremiah chapter 18 it's a famous chapter this is the chapter where God gives the story about the potter and the clay everybody remember that story so the, the clay is marred in the hands of the potter so what does God do he makes it again I just want to stop right now and say praise God he makes it again he's a God of mercy and grace And it's in that story, it's in that context that we read these words. Look at verse number 7. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. In other words, God says there's a choice to be made and God is not arbitrarily flipping a coin in heaven. Look, please, you want the blessing? Obey God. You want to live under the curse? Disobey God. It's your choice. Everybody in this room today is going to make a decision at the end of my message. Not everybody's going to pray. I wish you would. Not everybody may respond, but everybody will make a decision, like it or not. And it has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with with this church. It has everything to do with you and God because God says, I've given you a choice and you've got to pick your path. You can't go both ways at the same time. You have a choice to make. Would you mark in verse number eight, turn from their evil and then mark, I will repent. Do you you see a man's side and God's side? And by the way, God's always working to turn us to himself. The, The prophet prayed, turn thou me and I shall be turned. I prayed that a lot even in recent days. See, we all get away from where we ought to be. And what must we do? We must finally come to the place where we go, It's good theology. Listen to me carefully. That's actually what the Hebrew word repent means. The Roman word and usage of the word repent means to turn. That's, that's what happens. There is a turning. But the Hebrew word repent literally means, the root word means to sigh. You know what it means? It means to finally get to so everlasting, exhausted with yourself and sick of your sin. That you say, enough, Lord. Enough of this. Enough of me fighting against you. Enough of me resisting the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Enough of that, Lord. Enough of my my stubbornness. Enough of my foolishness. Enough of my hardness. Enough of me, Lord. I got good news for you. Ready? When you get to that point, when you get to the place where you finally say, enough, God says, good, I've been trying to get you there all along. And that moment is the moment of mercy. That moment is the moment where you experience the grace of God. Look, please, when, when you turn, he turns. When, when you repent, he repents. When, when you change direction, he changes destination. Look, only God can change the outcome of the thing. But you and I must choose whether we will let God make the change in us he so desires to make. And so with that in mind go back with me now to the book of jonah and let me give you two or three thoughts from our text would you write them down somewhere there actually are three levels of repentance here number one would you write down the first repentance in the book is the repentance of jonah <laughs> the preacher's got to get right with god you see we all at times get ourselves out of sorts with the lord let something come between us and god I don't care who you are I don't care how long you've been in church how much Bible you know I don't care what your religious background is at some point every Jonah's got to repent every one of us you may say well I got saved years ago congratulations repentance is not an event it's a way of life Repentance begins on the day you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You repent and believe the gospel, but it doesn't end there. In fact, I've done a whole lot more repenting since I got saved than I did when I got saved. I trusted Jesus as a five-year-old boy. I I didn't even know the word repentance. I don't think anybody ever explained the word repentance to me. But on that day, when I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and looked to Him, recognizing I was a sinner and only He could save me, on that day, theologically, what I did, I repented. But I was a five year old boy. I'm speaking now as a 46-year-old man, and I'm telling you that at this moment in my life, I'm recognizing more and more the sinfulness and unholiness of my own heart and how desperately I need to repent and, look, not just get right with God, but here's the struggle, stay right with God. And the nearer you get to the light, the more it reveals the darkness. The, the, The closer you get to a holy God the more you recognize, Lord, I need you. That's why That's why Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I dwell in the pe- midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. It's why Peter saw the Lord and said, Lord, you'll have to get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I I can't be in your presence right now. It's why John saw the Lord in all of his glory and laid down his feet and played like he was a dead man. Why? He trembled in the fear of God because at that moment, he saw the Lord as he was and he saw himself as he was. I say again, Peter wrote, judgment must begin at the house of God. True repentance doesn't start with the lost people getting saved. It starts with God's people getting right. Would you like to see more lost people saved? How many of you would like to see a whole bunch of people in this town get right with God? How about all your family and friends and co-workers and neighbors? Anybody with me on that? All right, I'm going to tell you how it happens. It doesn't start out there. It starts in here. You get the Lord's people thoroughly right with God and God in His rightful place in our life. I'm telling you, when Jonah gets right, Nineveh gets saved. Their prayers follow his prayers. Go back with me to chapter two. Look at his prayer. Let's just walk through his prayer for a second. Look at verse two. He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I and thou heardest my voice. Stop looking at me just a minute. Some of you are in a mess right now. You're in a mess. Your own soul's in a mess, your mind's in a mess, your emotions are in a mess, your family's in a mess, you feel like you're in the belly of hell, and you think, I don't think I can ever get out of this. You can't get out of that on your own, but I'm gonna tell you what you can do. You can cry to God and God will hear you no matter where you are. Let me tell you the most wonderful thing about the book of Jonah. You ready? It was it was when Jonah was at his lowest spiritually. It was when Israel was at its lowest militarily, and it's when Nineveh was at its lowest morally that the highest truth is revealed to us about God. You know what it is? God is more than enough to straighten out all of them. So whatever your mess is, I want you to know, if you're willing to repent and turn to the Lord, God will meet you right where you are. See, he's already got his eye on you. He's just waiting on you to get, his, get your eye on him. Hey, Peter, I know you cursed and swore and said you didn't even know the man. I know you got angry and stomped your foot and said some awful things you should never have said and denied him. But if you just look right over that way, Jesus with tears in his eyes has his eye on you at this moment. It's the eye of mercy. What are you going to do? Look to him again. Look at verse number three. For thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. And the floods can past me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. God didn't even see me. Oh, yes, he does. Look at the end of verse 4. Yet, well, that's a hopeful word, isn't it? I will look. What's the next word, church? Circle that word in your Bible. Again. I will look again toward thy holy temple. It's our turn to turn. I will look again. I will repent again. I will confess again. I will pray again. I will praise again. I will yield again. It's, it's time for some of God's people again to look to the Lord. That's what it's time for. Keep reading. Look at verse number five. The waters can pass me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy, but I... I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I vowed salvation is of the Lord. You want to talk about a turning point. Right here it is. Look, please. When you finally get to the bottom, you find out the foundation's still there. When you get to the end of you and you, you repent. At that moment, you may think you're in the belly of hell. Suddenly, heaven opens to you. You may think you're beyond hope at that moment God steps in. Listen to me. Remember a response, a revelation, and a response to the revelation. God is there wherever you are. If I send him into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me. God is where you are at this moment. And if you will repent, he will not only meet you where you are, he will take you where you need to be just point out a couple of things interesting things about the prayer one is it's full of Scripture I wish you had time to show you this on your own time do this you ought to look at all the cross references for Jonah's prayer in Jonah chapter 2 you know what you'll find there may be more I may be off on my number there may be more but there are no less than 11 different Psalms referenced in Jonah's prayer now that's fascinating to me here's an old boy in the belly of a fish How many of you know he didn't have his copy of the Bible in Moroccan leather with him? But you know what he had? Something on the inside from the Word of God that he couldn't get away from. I'm going, to tell you how, I'm going to tell you how to get your heart tender again. you say, man, my heart's so hard, I don't think it will ever be soft again. Or I'm so far, I don't think I'll ever be near again. Oh, yes, I'm going to tell you how. You get back in the Word of God, and the Word of God is the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It's, it's the fire that melts. It's the light that guides. It's the sword that cuts asunder. Look, the Word of God will begin to turn you again. Stop, stop just watching the news, and stop just listening to what everybody else says, and stop just thinking about where you are, and instead, get back in the Word of God and the Word of God will begin to turn your heart. And I'll tell you this, if you want to stay right with God, same thing. You know how to stay right with God once you've repented? Stay in the Word. Because every day, the Word just readjusts you again. <laughs> every day, the Word just mm, pushes the spiritual reset button again. Every day, the Word just keeps you in that place of repentance, humble before a holy God. Every day, we need the Word. Tell you something else interesting about his prayer. He doesn't just concentrate on the bad circumstances in. He concentrates on the goodness of God. Would you look at me and listen to me with your heart for just a moment? If you really want to be right with God, I'm going to tell you how right now. Ready? Start thinking about how good God has been to you. You're alive, aren't you? You say, yeah, my life's a mess. But you're alive, aren't you? You're seated with people that you love and people that love you. You had enough health to get in the place today. And beyond that, beyond that, I want you to think about the mercies of God that are new every morning. How faithful God has been to every one of us. How gracious and kind and long-suffering. How many times He should have squashed us like bugs and didn't. I'm glad you're not God, and you better be glad I'm not God. God is merciful and slow to anger. Of great kindness. That's who God is. You know what might be good? might be good if we stopped talking about all the bad things we've done and all the bad things everybody else is doing and all the bad things going on in the world around us and started rehearsing more about the goodness of God. I'm going to tell you why. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 4 says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. I I was thinking on this this week. What was the message that got Nineveh's attention? Judgment is coming, right? You know why most people get saved? Why most lost people get saved? They don't want to go to hell. So the thing that wakes up the Ninevites is judgment is coming. But the motivation is different for a child of God. Do you know the number one thing that will keep you right with God? Not that you're scared to death of judgment to come. No, no, it is this. You start thinking about how much God loves you. And the goodness of God takes you by the hand and says, come on now, son. I know you've been prodigal, but you don't need to stay out of fellowship with God. Come on, I'm going to lead you back into the presence of God. I love this. And when Jonah starts repenting, it sets in motion a spiritual chain reaction, a ripple effect that is literally going to produce one of the greatest revivals in the history of the world. We're all sitting around waiting on somebody else to get right with God, but God is waiting on us. We're all wishing something would change in our country. But something must change in our own hearts. Jonah must get thoroughly right with God. The second repentance, would you write it down? There's not only the repentance of Jonah, then there's the repentance of the Ninevites. That's the lost people getting saved. In fact, look at verse number nine of, excuse me, verse number eight of chapter three. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way. Uh, Verse number 10, they turned from their evil way. May I just say this? Repentance is not you doing better. Some people have made repentance out to simply be good works and and you try harder. That is not what it is. Let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is when you finally (sighs) come to the end of you and say, Lord, I have made a mess of this. I cannot fix this but I am wide open for you to change whatever you need to change in me. That's the essence of repentance. You really think God's waiting till you get it all figured out and dot your I's and cross your T's and clean yourself up? Is that what you're waiting on? Because if you're waiting on that, you're going to be waiting a very long time. That day's never going to come. You're never going to get there. Repentance is not your good works. Repentance is God's good work in you when you let the Lord do in you what he so desperately longs to do. And when did they repent? When they heard the preaching of the Word of God. That's why churches like this right now are so important because this world does not just need moral clubs that give people something positive and constructive to do. That doesn't deal with the sin issue. And people don't just need more news commentary and more more discussion and debate. What they need is somebody to tell them where they are wrong and how they can be right with God. This is why we need the preaching of the Word of God. Because only through the word of God do we see who God is and as we're confronted with God and we're confronted with judgment and we start thinking about eternity suddenly we say I got to get right with God show you something interesting back up to verse number 5 when I stop say the next word you got verse 5 so the people of Nineveh what circle that word in your Bible they believed God Jesus would later say they repented somebody says well which is it believe or repent yes Yes. You can't separate them. They're not mutually exclusive. Saving faith is connected to repentance, and repentance is connected to saving faith. It's not stages. See, our our Western mindset, we we always think in seven steps to success, like there's this, this progression. What I'm saying to you is there is a moment where you believe that God is right and you are not, and at that moment, you turn from you to Him, and at that moment, God meets you right where you are. This is repentance. Mark chapter 1, Jesus came preaching. What did he preach? Repent and believe the gospel. Hmm. Acts chapter 20, Paul said to the Ephesians, he said, I have preached repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1, says repentance from dead, dead works and faith toward God. It's not one or the other. It is both. When you repent, you are simply stating in faith, I am a mess, and I can't fix it, and nobody else can fix it, but I believe you can fix it, and God says that's good enough for me. And at that moment, God begins to do what only God can do. So there's the repentance of Jonah. There is the repentance of Nineveh, and then one more. Would you write this one down? There is the repentance of God. (laughs) That one always puzzled me. Somebody said, well... Does God sin? Not far be it to ever say such a thing. God forbid. And Malachi said, I am the Lord, I change not. In the New Testament, James wrote and said that our Father, the Father of lights, there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning in Him. What does that mean? It means there is not one iota of change in the character and nature and attributes of God. He has always been right. He is right today, and He will always be right. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can't add a single thing to the perfection of God, and you can't take anything away from it. God doesn't repent because he needs to change. God repents because we have changed. Do you know what God's repentance is? God's repentance is his response to our response to him. God says to a sinner who doesn't deserve heaven, you'll be lost forever and go to hell. But when we hear the message of the gospel and respond to it in faith and say, I believe in Jesus to be my personal Savior, God says, all right, no longer hell for you, heaven for you now. What changed? Something in here. A prodigal gets away from God. Some of them sitting in this room today, you're not where you need to be with the Lord. Nobody's told me anything. I don't even know who's here today. But a crowd this size, there are people in this room who have been saved a long time that aren't where they need to be with God And you think, I'm so far from God, i got so many steps back. No, you got one step back. You must turn to the Lord. And the moment you turn to the Lord, God says, Now, no more of that chastening. I'm going to restore the joy of my salvation to you. (laughs) Isn't that just like our Lord? It is the repentance of God. In fact, look at chapter 4 and verse number 2. This is Jonah's words about God. Look at the second half of the verse. He said, I knew... Thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Oh, I love this. Would you mark it in your Bible? And repentest thee of the evil. His character, His holiness, His love, unchanged. But I'll tell you something else unchanged. His grace, His mercy, His long-suffering, and His kindness. And today, there is a Christ with nail prints in his hands and open arms, standing saying, if you'll come to me, I'll come to you. If you'll turn to me, I'll turn to you. If you'll cry out to me, I'll speak to you again. If you'll say yes to me, I'll say yes to you. This is the repentance of God. Did you know that Jonah is the only prophet to whom Jesus likened himself That's always been ironic to me. Like everybody else called him Moses or Elijah or Jeremiah, not Jesus. The only prophet he made himself parallel to was Jonah. And I used to think that is just odd to me. No, I'm going to tell you what that is. That's mercy right there. That is Jesus saying to the lowest prophet on the totem pole, to the fella who was a rebel, he comes to us. It was in Matthew chapter 12 that Jesus said it. He said, the men of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah. And then he said this, a greater than Jonah is here. Anybody like to guess who the greater than Jonah is? It's Jesus. And you know what I think is tragic? I think it's tragic that Jonah would preach one sermon in the, in the Hebrew language, just about five words was all it was, and he would preach it, and suddenly everybody would want to get right with God. And now, a one much greater than Jonah, not, not a prophet but the one who sent the prophets, not, not the messenger but the message himself, not, not a man but the God-man would come, Jesus would come, and we would not repent? No. No, I tell you, if you're Jonah or if you're an Ninevite today, it doesn't really matter because everybody in this room needs to repent. And when we do, we will find that God meets us there. Hey, friends, something has to change. And maybe, just maybe, if we repent, God will too. Thank you for listening.